you know, if you're doing the same thing and expecting a different result, that's counterintuitive. So we needed to shake it up. And I was doing that for some years. I might have switched some of the supplements up or protein powders up or like recipes up, but actually it had become almost quite samey. And that's not wrong, but I'm up leveling now. It felt like I was falling apart, but actually that breakdown is kind of part of the breakthrough of where it's going to take me. So I need to have a new approach, a new protocol. I need to have an updated insight into what's going on in my body. Hello, and welcome to Behind the Mother Mask. I'm your host, Annie Breen, registered nutritional therapist, master NLP practitioner, and transformational coach for exhausted mums who don't feel enough. My mission with this podcast is to lead with vulnerability by starting to lift the psychological mask you wear each day that protects you and others from the stuff that's hard to explain and talk about. It's about sharing from the middle, not just the open wounds or the healed scabs, but the messy middle. Let's go for honesty over perfection, because I believe when you transform yourself, you automatically transform your relationships and parenting by passing down wisdom, not wounds. So if you're up for that, you definitely don't need to do it alone. I'm here to lead you on what could be the greatest adventure of your life, behind the mother mask, back home to yourself. Hello, I hope you're well. (laughs) Welcome back to episode 20 of Behind the Mother Mask with Annie Breen and I am live from Dan's shed. Oh my goodness, the hoo-ha, shall we say, in trying to record this episode. Honestly, you know when you're sat on the fence and you could go either way? (laughs) I have kept my shit together. But because of technical reasons, privacy reasons, Bonnie's at home and deadlines and needing to get it done. I am outside in the shed with two laptops and I hope that the sound is okay. But also this episode, which is part three of my ADHD forward slash health healing personal growth adventure forward slash journey is slightly rooted more in the science. So it has taken, I say a little bit more prep, that's the problem. I haven't been able to, I did not have the time. So, (laughs) and to be fair, it's not a bad thing because I could have spent too long on this and I tend to go off on tangents and down rabbit holes and one thing connects to the next, to the next and leads me down different pathways. And I love research and I love learning. So actually it's not a bad thing. I must remember not to play with my microphone. (laughs) Otherwise, all you can hear is Okay, so we're going to get into it because it's quite a lot. My notes look like a verbal vomit and I'm going to try not to kind of 
read every word and I will know when it's irrelevant to what I'm sharing because I'll get bored of what I'm saying and if I'm getting bored you're going to get bored and I think with this one I've definitely put a lot of pressure on because I kind of felt in myself that this could be one of the best episodes I've done so far or the worst there's no in the middle so let's see and you can tell me how it pans out okay (laughs) now I've set the scene Okay, so this episode very much kind of follows on from part one and part two. And the focus on this one is very much on the kind of cutting edge science and results that I found from doing functional testing. But do not fear, it is not going to go completely down the scientific kind of rabbit warren, because that stuff in isolation does not mean anything. It's when we start to put it into the bigger picture of, in this case, my health, but I hope that there will be some resonance and you'll be able to relate to it, your health, when we start to look at the bigger picture and not just our health and our symptoms, but from a spiritual, energetic, who we are, where we've been, where we're going, what we want in life, our purpose, And ultimately, it's really going beneath the surface. And, you know, this podcast is called Behind the Mother Mask. You're going to get to know me on a really intimate cellular level. So hey-ho to that. (laughs) But it's looking beneath the surface and looking at what's going on inside the body so that we can really understand what is driving the more kind of surface symptoms, if you like, and what could potentially be root cause factors. And this really allows us to kind of put our attention and energy at the the cause rather than just firefighting the effect or the symptoms. And it's looking at kind of how stress and environmental factors has impacted the body. And for me, it really... I just think it's an incredible tool to get to know who you are. It allows you to create a more holistic kind of picture of health and gives you a deeper insight into your own kind of personal needs. So we're kind of stepping away from these kind of label focused, diagnosis focused type narratives and culture. And we're really getting back to the effect and you and the internal and what we can do about it and what's within our control opposed to the external and some of the things that we don't have so much agency over. Plus, we're throwing away the cocky cutter. You are not a biscuit. And yes, it's wonderful to have some general generic kind of advice. And there are some key foundations. A lot of us don't do the basics. And from this science, you probably be like not underwhelmed, but interested to see that some of the stuff is basic stuff. And it's doing that consistently with intention. But it's understanding why, as well as slightly more funky, I do a bit of genetic testing and um, look at nutrigenomics, how our nutrition impacts our genes, and then what herbs and supplements and lifestyle things can really support what I find. And we can go a little bit funky with that. But if we don't get the basics in it's our basics in place first, that is kind of slapping the leaves on the tree without looking at the roots. So it's looking at it all together. 
And what I would just say with this is it's not just looking at food and nutrients, but these tests are showing us what we need, what we're lacking and what we need to kind of focus more on in terms of supporting our body. So food is medicine, but food is also information. What you eat turns into fuel. It turns into your body. It's what fuels us at a cellular level. So it's so, so important. And I would say it's our greatest kind of tool in terms of health, because, you know, most of the time it's accessible to us and we get to choose and we have agency over and we put it in our bodies three plus times a day. So it's how we can really leverage it, but also understand it. When you start to look at the results coming back from these tests, you get it. It's like, oh, I can see how that all ties together and why I need more of that vitamin or mineral or those amino acids because of this symptom over here. So it all starts to make sense. So what I'm going to talk about, and I might jump around a little bit because I will kind of forget stuff and then remember stuff and uh, (laughs) might go off on a few tangents, but hopefully it will all make sense. So if you, for this to make sense, you need to, (laughs) not being bossy, but it would be helpful to have listened to the previous two episodes and also maybe the first episode where I was talking about getting through a shit year 2021. And what I want to say is some of those symptoms that I spoke about back then that was recorded, I think, in January, that first episode. And then the the symptoms that I was talking about specifically around the ADHD and PMDD, that was on my worst days back then. So those are not current. And what I would say is from doing from going through this kind of journey and process and doing these tests and addressing some of these imbalances and deficiencies, I would say now, and there's been a lot of work outside of that on a more trauma-based and spiritual and energetic level as well, and mindset, I would say that I am, and I'm, I'm pulling this number out, but I would say like 70% better than what I was in January. And that is quite incredible because you do hear quite a lot of time people saying that you're de- you're you're you can't heal these things, especially PMDD. I've heard people say that you have to live with it. ADHD, the symptoms of you're kind of destined. That is your destiny. And I'm sorry, but I don't believe that to be true. But I know that not to be true because how I'm feeling compared to how I was and how I am. And like night and day. And, you know, there's some things that are almost like characteristics and traits that I've become to understand, like my sensitivity and my empathic kind of qualities and intuition. I understand them so much more, whereas I used to see them as a pathology or as a symptom or as a burden. And then there's things like brain fog and lack of focus and poor memory that were really debilitating that I absolutely was not just going to accept that as my destiny. Yes, I still want to improve my memory and there are other things I want to improve on, which I'll talk about. But as we go through this, you'll be able to see that what I've put in place has had a massive impact. It's been transformative. Okay, so if you listen back to those, you will have some context to this picture and this story. So I actually I work with a number of different people through this process. I don't believe you can do it alone. And personally, I just absolutely love 
being coached. I love, I know the power of kind of talking about how you're feeling, but also having someone that can be your mentor and guide you in lots of different areas. So primarily I went to Jo Gamble, who was on episode two. She was the first guest I had on my podcast. She was my lecturer and um, is now mentor. So I went to her because even though I am a qualified nutritional therapist, I'm a registered nutritional therapist. We went through intensive like three year training through the College of Naturopathic Medicine. When it's you and you're in it, it is like you are reading a book which is pushed up to your face. So it's really important and helpful to have, you know, who's going to coach the coach? Who's going to give the therapy to the therapist? I think this is so, so important. Okay, so the primary symptoms that I went to her with, and we were very much looking at this from a functional medicine kind of perspective and through the lens of the functional medicine model. Here were my top three goals, and they were very symptom focused that I wanted to change, like eliminate, get rid of, um, improve on. So the first one was to support memory and focus. The second was to support mood. It was either high or low with no stability and to reduce inflammation and shift excess weight. So reduce inflammation, that is probably only things nutritional therapists say. Not many people come to me saying, I really want to reduce inflammation, but I already had insight. And bear in mind, I've already been doing this kind of work in in different ways, different, you know, it's very much delaying the onion since 2012, which is when I started to study nutrition. And then obviously I became a mum and a whole new layer of onion shite came up because it has to. So I've done quite a lot of work, especially around inflammation and gut health in the past. And as you will see, I'm predisposed to inflammation. So from a genetic perspective, I'm not very good at handling inflammation. I get easily inflamed. So what the excess weight felt like to me, I did feel like bigger and not very healthy and not very confident in my body or happy in my skin, but it felt inflamed. Like even from like the pressure in my head around my gut, I just felt like, you know, the kind of Michelin man type thing, like you're wearing an extra layer, which felt like inflammation. Also, what I want to just highlight here, I did not go to her saying, I want to get rid of PMDD. I want to get rid or reduce ADHD or any... That was not even mentioned. Obviously, she knew that that was an issue. And when I talk about what I did, I will refer to ADHD and PMDD here and there. But really, you know, think about the symptoms. It's memory, focus, mood, excess weight were important to me. And I think that's just important to highlight. And then what is really, really important are my more kind of global type goals. So this is very much looking at the bigger picture. So Joe, by the way, because she was my lecturer, um, she acknowledges that the female or the, the presentation of ADHD in women is very different. But she did say to me that she didn't see it coming. So obviously she lectures me, lectured me for three years. So she was in a classroom with me and she's kind of she could see she could spot other people who have, have ADHD. But she, she didn't see it coming with me. But hearing my full story, she absolutely agrees with that kind of diagnosis I got in January. So it's interesting. So before I get onto the bigger kind of global goals, I think also just on from that point that I had learned to mask 
And obviously I, I speak openly and honestly with no blame and shame. I learned that on an unconscious level from my mum because she had to do the same to get through what she went through and we need to look at the the impact of our female role models of our maternal role models in our life they are so powerful and whether I was conscious of it or not obviously she wasn't either she was doing the best she could that is what happened that you kind of learn to mask your symptoms and we'll talk more about that as we go on and then the bigger global goals so there was so much going on at the time as you will know from listening to the previous podcasts but honestly like one of the biggest things that came up and I've not spoken about this before on the podcast is the second child scenario shenanigan conundrum whatever you want to call it the second child and this this without fear of going into a completely separate podcast episode because it probably is one that needs its own episode at some point had played out the worry the stress the kind of conversations around this had played out for quite a while I mean Bonnie's six so you can imagine you know this has played out do we don't we but I think the big thing with with this and what I spoke to Joe about was I didn't feel maternal. I'll talk about that in a minute. I actually didn't. It, I felt like there was physiological factors that was stopping me from feeling that way. And it's not that, and this is how I described it to her. So I'm just talking about, I had to write it down because things have changed. I don't necessarily feel this way anymore. So this is how I felt at the time that the birth wasn't traumatic, but the process of becoming a mother brought up a lot of suppressed trauma and I think there was a lot of grief and I didn't understand that it was grief at the time and there was obviously a lot of stuff from my past but that goes back transgenerationally and I just felt like now I know on reflection that I felt isolated like I didn't have the support I didn't have the cheerleaders it's not just support but it was people that could really believe in me and like egg me on obviously Dan's my number one but I mean wider than that and wider family I didn't have that and I didn't have the people that were able to see me and accept me for who I was and it was almost like this feeling and this is on reflection of feeling unseen and misunderstood and isolated and obviously if you think in nature what animal or even person is going to feel like reproducing if they feel unseen because that leads to unsafety and feeling unsafe has been like a theme that's kind of run through my life so the whole like unresolved trauma from what to do and these relationships and connections what they mean in like the bigger picture and when I visualize the future like I do see more than one child, but I kind of cancelled it out because of these environmental factors, not having enough money, not having the career to the stage that I want it or my business, um, lack of support, not feeling seen, lack of cheerleader support and scarcity. It didn't feel I was enough. I didn't feel I had enough. And what's really interesting just with that scarcity is when you feel like you don't have enough, we kind of go into this defensive mode. And I think that COVID, which played a role in this too, had me stuck defending myself 
defending myself for like two years and probably before that that I was defending my beliefs I was defending my values I was defending my vision and what I wanted I was defending my point of view and my opinion I was defending the invisible shit that I didn't fully understand but I felt it it's like I felt this truth and maybe at the time I didn't feel I could vocalize it out of fear of hurting someone or someone feeling blamed or shamed or what people would think but what I've learned is it's really your truth is your truth and sometimes we can package it up in different ways or suppress it and you know kind of not say it because we don't want to hurt anyone but ultimately this is my truth so sorry if that was a little bit rambly but that was definitely like rumbling there in the back not even in the background it was very present and this created this massive kind of almost constant internal pull do I don't I should I shouldn't I I remember hearing Esther Perel talk about something similar and how we put so much strain on our relationship because of these different views and you know one of us wanting one thing and the other wanting the other And she said that you have to put things into context in order to get to compassion. So it might be no, but it's no for now and not forever. And when you look at the picture of my health and my hormones and this inner kind of conflict and what I was dealing with, this push and pull and how I felt deep down in terms of lack of support and unseen, when you put that context together, it absolutely makes sense sense and again for the other person like for for Dan as well to put things into context and understand where they're coming from so that really helped with a lot of compassion I mean it really did we've moved mountains since and it's brought our relationship and that emotional connection a lot closer and just had a thought I wonder if the whole street can hear me because I'm in the shed (laughs) yeah the neighbors are getting a master class and then I think the bigger realization is that I'm not going to stop other people or my perceived idea of other people and my past and current circumstances and my external environment dictate my future and the trust in what I want. Because another thing that I kind of learned to do was second guess myself and doubt myself. Do I really want this? And that's not about me. That's about other people, really because that's something that I learned to do is to not trust my own choices and what I actually desire in life. So it was really nice. Recently, I've done done a lot of work around purpose and vision and did amazing vision board workshop. And I'm so much clearer, so much more clarity, but also belief in my vision. And I do see a bigger family and it's so nice to really place my focus there rather than what I don't want or the things that are getting in the way or the barriers but I think it's really important just to acknowledge where that belief came from that doubt and how we can kind of change it also on that like I do feel and this is just 
my personal feeling, but also from working with a psychic medium, Katie, is that Bonnie has come to us to kind of destroy our world in a really good way. She set us free because she's taught us where we are not free. And we've learned so much from her. And I can't tell you that enough. And we'll do a whole episode on that. But I feel like the next one will be the healing part of the next chapter. And that's just a kind of feeling that I get and a little bit of insight from Katie. And I'm not pregnant, by the way, just so we're clear on that. And then the stress, the stress that is of this kind of internal conflict that's causing my hormones to be so out of whack, which I will explain to you in a minute, and not to feel physiologically ready or able to even think about a child. And this is so, so important. Without going off on a tangent, I had, I spoke to um, a coach a while ago, and we were talking about like libido and intimacy and that sort of thing. And she said something to me that was so unhelpful And she's actually a very good coach. I like her. But it was just the person that doesn't want to have like sexual intimacy is usually the one that causes the relationship to end. It was something to, or they have the control. They have the, they're in the driving seat because they're the one dictating that kind of area of the relationship. And ultimately that can lead to relationship breakdown. And I was sat there at the time, not under, I knew that I had hormonal imbalances and I'm going to go into that in a minute. And I was right. Like I was right. If you look at my kind of hormonal picture and physiological picture of what's going on inside the body, no fucking wonder. But to have someone say that to you, this is why I'm so passionate about coaching people from a very holistic mindset point of view, but also the body as well and understanding what's going on in the body, because that tells the truth. The body is your teacher. So, you know, when you hear women talk about low libido, that is so distressing, isn't it, for you, if you feel that way and the impact it can have on your relationship. But sometimes there's real kind of physiological reasons for that, that we kind of aren't aware of, or we bypass, or we're told those kind of messages that, you know, it's it's you that's kind of controlling the relationship and you could cause it to end, or that kind of thing. That's bollocks. <laughs> So I just want to say that. Um, So I hadn't planned to say that, but there we go. So other reasons for engaging in support with Joe is fear of dementia and Alzheimer's. Honestly, I do walk around feeling that way, or I did, and I was worried that I was going to get be that person later on. So I feel like I've been left with this kind of upregulated picture of neuroinflammation post-COVID. And I felt like finding Dory, as I've talked about quite a lot. So there's definitely a viral factor here because that's what seemed to upregulate everything. And then just this kind of our oh, memory loss that felt like I already had dementia, which by the way, you know, is something that starts in your 30s. It doesn't just hit you later on. And interestingly, just so I think about it, it's now known as diabetes type three because of the insulin factor. And a big factor in my picture was insulin resistance or lack of insulin sensitivity. So interesting. Okay, stress caused by lack of focus and memory. So I was really stressed. I couldn't focus. I couldn't run my business the way that I wanted. I couldn't like do the things I was being told by kind of various coaches. 
And any cyclical patterns and mood changes and hormonal kind of fluctuations and rage. And this makes complete sense when I talk about my testosterone and progesterone levels. And then, right, yes. So another thing that we spoke about is because I've been doing a lot of things for some time. So I've been taking supplements for years. I've been eating in a certain way. I've done various like metabolic detoxes. Generally, I'm gluten and dairy free and have a fairly anti-inflammatory diet. So generally, it's all whole foods, low kind of toxins and inflammation But you do fall into these protocols of taking B vitamins, taking magnesium, taking a probiotic, eating your greens. And, you know, if you're doing the same thing and expecting a different result, that's counterintuitive. So we needed to shake it up. And I was doing that for some years. I might have switched some of the supplements up or protein powders up or like recipes up. But actually, it had become almost quite samey. And that's not wrong, but I'm up leveling now. It felt like I was falling apart, but actually that breakdown is kind of part of the breakthrough of where it's going to take me. So I need to have a new approach, a new protocol. I need to have an updated insight into what's going on in my body. And also, it's almost like I'd been doing quite a lot of pebble dashing. So we talk about just firefighting kind of symptoms. That's kind of what I was doing is just kind of patching things up, pebble dashing things here and there, have a bit of probiotics, a bit of magnesium. But I wasn't really getting to the root in this chapter. (laughs) How many roots are there? Where is the middle of the onion? And at the time of this, in January, I was not looking forward to coming up to the luteal phase. So I was coming up to the luteal phase just before my period. And because the PMD symptoms were bad, I was not looking forward to it. Now, I really don't give a shit. Um, (laughs) Sorry, that means really flippant and blasé, but I'm not, I track, but I don't actually track my cycle anymore. No, I don't. I'm doing other things. Oh, look, angel number 555. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing because I think it's, we track our cycle for so many reasons our productivity, when we need more kind of tortoise time and need to retract and be more introverted, when we're more kind of out there and like greatest showman and getting on Instagram. It's really good for all of that. But because my symptoms have improved so dramatically, I've kind of not tracked that. And now I'm tracking other things. Cool. Um, Sleep. So on waking, I wouldn't always feel refreshed. I'd have this like pressure over my right eye, like this kind of cluster headache type thing, brain fog. And just again, yeah, this kind of almost hungover. And I haven't drunk alcohol for three years. So there was that kind of feeling. So, you know, there was something going on with sleep cycling and how I was going through my sleep cycles and having restorative sleep. And maybe the body wasn't able to do its housekeeping during that time. And then energy, it could be hyper or low. So it's almost like I was running off adrenaline and there were blood sugar issues. And obviously I've got a history of not being able to metabolize, not obviously you don't know that, but I have a history of not being able to metabolize carbohydrates, which feeds into this blood sugar picture. Right. So I feel how it's going right now is just a fine balance of real life and science. I, I So I'm, <laughs> I'm going to, my notes are much longer. I'm going to cut it. I'm going to cut it a little bit because I feel like it's going okay. But if we go too deep, I'm going to lose you and I'm going to lose myself. There's something really, really important that I want to say before I get into what I found from the tests. And I'm just going to pull on the biggest kind of insights and markers the biggest info that I found that was going to give me more bang for my buck 
before I do that, I want to talk about something called the cell danger response. If you've heard about that, drop me a little um, something into my DMs. But the cell danger response is really interesting because when we're looking at our health and when we're looking at kind of functional testing and what we find and actually like living a more vital, energized life, we don't just want to survive and cope and manage symptoms. We want to thrive. We need to look at our cells. And it sounds obvious because we're made out of cells. They are our building blocks. So what the cell danger response is, and I just I'm really passionate to share this with you because it's something that I didn't know till you know a few years ago. But it's this kind of universal response to an environmental threat or injury. So once it's triggered, so it's a threat towards the cell. And the cell is like a living organism. There's so much going on inside the cell. The mitochondria, which produces your energy, is actually more kind of microbial kind of organism than it is human. It has more microbial DNA. So interesting. But the processes that go on inside the cell are incredible. We rely on them. It's where our energy. So we're talking about energy. And we're talking about keeping the body free of inflammation and being able to detoxify and be able to function optimally. So once this cell danger response is triggered, healing cannot be completed until there is resolution. And what I mean by that really is that the cell knows that it's safe. And if we think about that in the bigger picture of our health, our stress response, how many of us are in this chronic state of stress, either by our internal kind of dialogue and thoughts and worries and catastrophizing anxiety, or just like external, too much on, too many demands, juggling. We think about it. We don't have resolution. We're always on. We're always switched on. So the body never really knows that the tiger has gone. And it's exactly the same when we're thinking about the cells. In fact, our body and our wider health is a reflection of our cellular health. So persistent kind of activation or chronic activation inhibits healing and leads to chronic illness and disease. And if we're thinking about our symptoms, whether that is symptoms of ADHD, whether it's kind of PMDD, whether it's to do with like our mood, our memory, our anxiety, depression, mental health, we need to be thinking about this kind of chronic activation of threat to ourselves and lack of repair time, lack of time to recover and know that come back to this kind of homeostatic balance, if you like, that things are okay, the tiger has gone. So what triggers the cell danger response is anything that signals danger. So that could be toxic exposure, toxins from the environment, from our food, if we think that we're eating how many times a day, you know, it's our biggest kind of area our arsenal if you like in terms of what we put in our body to heal and repair and nourish so toxic exposure infection from our gut whether that's hidden infections that we're not aware of h pylori viral infections bacterial infections or whether it's chronic stress and then of course trauma and that is obviously a big factor in in my journey and something that i'm really really interested in because trauma changes the function of your cell to always be kind of alerted if you like to stress to threat to danger 
And then in the cell danger response, the body kind of creates this self-protective shutdown. If you think, like, what do you do when you're chronically under threat? If you think about the fight, flight, fold, freeze, or like fawn, that you almost just shut down, you disassociate to protect yourself. And this is what the cells do. And what can happen then is when it does this, it increases the oxidative stress, which I'm going to talk about, which is kind of like the rust that is left on your cells from inflammation. It decreases methylation, which is the process of how we make brain chemicals. I'll talk about that a little bit. And our glutathione production, which is our major antioxidant in the body that comes and mops all the oxidative stress or rust up. And it changes our tryptophan, vitamin B6 and vitamin D metabolism. It can also increase histamine production and change our microbiome. So it it has control over all these processes in the body when the cells shut down to keep us safe. And short term, these changes are beneficial, but long term, they turn maladaptive. So we start to adapt to our environment and our cellular environment to keep ourselves safe. And the priority at this stage is to remove the threat and to make the cells feel safe again. So when I'm talking about what I did and that pebble dashing, like there's different levels of this. So the more kind of surface level, even though they can be really powerful and you have to think about your baseline, if you, and there's no disrespect, but I'm just painting a picture, go with me. If you are someone that eats like McDonald's, fast food, pot noodles, cakes, sandwiches, you know, just easy, accessible type food, then changing your diet to a more anti-inflammatory diet, even if you're just adding some more veg and healthy protein, you're going to feel dramatic effects from that. So you need to look at it in context of your baseline and where you're at now. I always say start where you are. But for me, nutrient replenishment, gut imbalances, mitochondrial and energy support, hormone support, these are things that I kind of been doing or investing in, but they are not going to be as effective unless I do the deeper work around the cellular kind of repair, healing and regeneration. I hope that that makes sense. So they're not bad things, they're good things, and they can give you big results depending on your baseline. But ultimately, if there has been this chronic cell danger response and maladaptation to our environment because of past stress and childhood trauma and these kind of generational patterns of trauma as well, then we're going to need to be a little bit more targeted on what's at the root and really kind of making those cells feel safe. I think you can go on Google and like Google happy and sad cell and you'll see some of the processes that kind of shut down if you feel like it. That's the sort of thing that I would absolutely Google. Last night I got so distracted. I was Googling Elon Musk's net worth. Um, so <laughs> the variety of Googling from me. Anyway, so we need to remove the fret. So for me, this is working on transgenerational trauma. It's looking at kind of 
patterns that have imprinted on my nervous system, outdated beliefs, and then nervous system maladaptation, hormonal kind of harmony. And I think a big one is like feminine expression. And um, we talk about hormones, we're talking about like the feminine and using my voice and self-acceptance and expressing myself and detoxification, because that's a form of expression. You know, we're releasing what doesn't serve us. We're constantly detoxifying. So this is how this kind of all comes together. And then chronic stress and trauma can create changes in the body, which alter our metabolic function. Talk about metabolism and metabolic quite a lot. Metabolism is basically the creation of energy. And metabolic is how these kind of chemical processes happen in the body to keep us at optimal health. Immune function and how we engage with the world. And when the underlying cause of disease is not a microbe or a toxin, we really need to look at ourselves. And in this is a good time to talk about high sensitivity, because this is also happening at a cellular level. Do you see what I mean? Like I've spoken about sensitivity before, and it's quite common, isn't it, in ADHD, like that walking around like a kind of raw nerve, picking up on everything in your environment. Well, this makes sense because if the cells have been put through stress early on and they've maladapted to be able to deal with that stress and self-protect and shut down and keep themselves kind of protected chronically, then they're going to be extra sensitive to fret. And also with that, which is interesting and what I found is this desensitization that actually because the cells are shutting down, that we become desensitized at a cellular level, but almost wired at a nervous system level to pick up on everything else. I think that all this stuff can come in and we just don't know how to deal with it. We get overstimulated and overloaded because our body isn't working at a cellular level to kind of detoxify, metabolize, deal with inflammation, support our hormone kind of transport and all this kind of stuff. Okay. So yes, I put here like overloaded, overwhelmed, shut down, become unresponsive. It's not safe to be seen or be yourself. Wow. Poor little cells. So that's my mission. That's my mission in life is to make my cells happy. (laughs) Have you ever heard anyone with a mission like that? So the different kind of levels of this cell danger response is very much about experience of threat and identifying the threat, rebuilding after the removal of threat, This is where the work is for me, I believe. I believe I've done so much and there's probably still onion layers there and we're always changing. Our microbiome is always changing. Our environment is. We're always picking up on things from environment, toxins, all this stuff. But I think ultimately when we're talking about trauma is once we have done work there, it's rebuilding after that. And that, I think, is the dark night of the soul. (laughs) when we're becoming who we truly are and who we need to be for our kids and who we have potential to be and start focusing on the future vision and taking on the persona of that person. And then the last one, the third step is rebuilding of communication with other cells. I find this this means so much to me because when we think about PMDD, it's not necessarily a hormone imba- hormone imbalance, which I do, did have. It is the fluctuation, so the, the interaction between the hormones and the cell receptor and the communication. 
and that kind of lack of responsiveness or oversensitivity too. So what we really want to do is rebuild communication with other cells. And what I found really interesting is as I've worked on the trauma, that some of these symptoms have gone. And also in my external life, in my relationships, my communication has improved massively just from my emotional connection with Dan, putting more energy towards cheerleaders and people that really can lift me up and make me feel good. Like that has changed massively. So when we're looking at communication, we're looking at it from a cellular level and then a kind of actual tangible how we communicate. I find that so interesting. And a big part of that is expressing my voice. Obviously, the podcast has come to life. So there's been all these things that has really helped. And that kind of outside in approach will help too. You know, that we're as we repair the cells and the communication and we bring back harmony within the body and we release trauma and we rewire our nervous system to be feel safer. And we also then have the confidence and clarity to communicate our feelings, to speak up, to connect with people, to express ourselves. That's then going to have an impact on ourselves. So now we're going through this positive growth cycle rather than revolving around this survival mode of shutdown. And then I've just put here that when cellular communication is shut down, this can show up in our neurological and endocrine system. Absolutely. And what I got back from these results was very much to do with hormones and nervous system. And this is where the functional testing is so helpful because it really ascertains the impact of the cell danger response on the rest of my body and how we can work with the body to restore vitality, energy in a new way going forward. Okay, so a couple of things that I found. So what I did now when I work with someone one to one, and I just want to kind of highlight this here, that you can work with a functional medicine practitioner or nutritional therapist, and you can do single appointments, and you can go and you can get these tests done, and they'll feed them back and they'll give you a plan. I don't work like that. I work in a package of like four months coaching because personally, that's what gets me the results that I want for you. And in that time, I may recommend functional testing. Some people come to me really wanting to do that and that's fine. It's brilliant. But I'll be there's hundreds of tests. So I'll be able to kind of recommend which ones are going to give you the best information that you need. But also I work with the NLP and the coaching to look at at some of the past traumas and the unresolved kind of hidden stress that is holding you back. And I work together with the mind and the body and very much focused on helping you get clear on your purpose and your mission and your future and actually what you do want and where you're heading. And we kind of package that together. And that is what helps you reclaim your energy and sense of self which are big parts of my work. I just wanted to say that because I know some people might be listening to this thinking, I want to do these tests. Where do you get the tests from? And absolutely, like if you came to me and you just wanted to do that, I can signpost you and refer you towards people that that can do that. But I just want to be clear about how I work. (laughs) Okay, so this is the metabolomics and it's from Genova Diagnostics and it's an organic acids test. And it's got like 46, actually might be more than that because it's changed a little bit, organic acids and 40 amino acids and it looks at oxidative stress markers so how like kind of rusty you are and helps you get like a better understanding of the underlying imbalances to the functional more nutritional kind of needs of your needs so 
And then what it can do from that is provide you or provide me with kind of ways to personally guide you with personal diet and supplement recommendations. And it includes looking at antioxidants, B vitamins, minerals, digestive support and amino acids. I like to call this test the MOT. An organic acid, sorry, like a byproduct of the metabolism of your food. So this is actually done in a urine test. So these kind of markers, the accumulation of organic acids in the urine can signal a metabolic inhibition or block. So this metabolic block may be due to a nutrition, nutrient deficiency, or an enzyme deficiency or deficit, or maybe a toxic buildup or a drug effect or something like that. And it looks, it helps you look at how these kind of pathways. So we're looking at our body as a whole and not just like the cardiovascular system, the gastrointestinal system, the nervous system. We're looking at what makes all those systems interconnect and run smoothly together. And remember, food is medicine. So it's looking at all the vitamins, minerals, amino acids that make that kind of system work. Okay, so. In my test, the three areas that were red and red is not good, inflammation, see, I was right, feel inflamed, toxic exposure and oxidative stress. So those were the three areas that I really need to focus on in line with the bigger picture and the symptoms that I wanted to improve on. So I'm just thinking here that I've kind of written a little bit about each (laughs) nutrient, which I think might kind of send you to sleep. So I'm just going to go over some of the main things. Now, I previously tested my vitamin D and my vitamin D is like it's over 100. So it's great. But what I just want to say about vitamin D, vitamin D needs to be between 100 and 120 depending on your kind of individual needs, whether there's autoimmunity, that kind of thing. But it's really important for regulating these kind of sex hormones and steroid hormones and immune regulation. So now we're kind of out of COVID into seasonal flu. I know COVID's still around, but um, we're into seasonal flu. That that viral load really does have an impact on ADHD. And this is mainly due to things like inflammation and that kind of cytokine storm and stress levels. So for me, I do have some genetic SNPs, which just on my vitamin D pathways, which means I'm not very good at transforming kind of the sun on my skin into the vitamin D that gets into my cells. So I do need to supplement it and I do need to test it. They say around like four times a year at different points. I have not done that. But I think it's a really good one because it acts more like hormone in the body. So if you wanted to just test your vitamin D and the doctor can't do it for whatever reason, Medichex and Thriver will do that for you. And that's a home test kit. So balancing immunity is really, really important. And this is why we need to look at the body as a whole, that the immune system, psychoneuroimmunology has a huge impact on our psychology and our nervous system. And we have immune cells on the brain. So research has found repeatedly that people with ADHD have a higher tendency of things like atopic conditions, like allergies and eczema. I don't really have that and asthma, but I do have a histamine and mast cell activation issue when I eat some histaminic foods. Like that's probably why I didn't agree with alcohol. Alcohol didn't agree with me. And my skin can flare up 
but it's more how I feel in my kind of in inflammation and my kind of brain and headaches and that type of thing and reaction to certain histaminic foods like tomatoes for me. I think it used to be much worse. That's why I'm kind of, it's vague for me to remember and thinking about mast cell activation. It used to be a big problem for me. So a subset find in, in research that ADHD seems to be worse for several weeks or months after catching a bacterial or viral infection. And this can manifest as kind of brain fog, which can affect focus and obviously performance at work and anxiety and kind of OCD type tendencies, which can definitely be exacerbated for a while after contracting an infection. So you probably know from listening previously, it was the COVID infection that kind of triggered all of this stuff and um, for me to go for the ADHD diagnosis. So this is really, really interesting. B vitamins. I was low in B vitamins, but interestingly, I was, in, I was low in B6, 9 and 12, and they are methyl donors. So methylation is what creates our brain chemicals. It does way more than that, but it's happening all the time in our cells. We're coming back to our cell health again, and it's basically the creation and making of things in the body. So we need B vitamins to make that process go around. And we're thinking about energy production, detoxification, and methylation. And an imbalance here can really lead to like fatigue and anxiety and depression and a reduced kind of detoxification capacity. But also they are drivers of neurotransmitters. So if we have imbalances, I had some imbalances in my gut. So there could be an absorption issue. I've been supplementing for some years and I was quite depleted. So I need to think about Am I using up that methylation pool? Is my need, my external need higher because of the stress that's going on externally and then internally that's using more of these cofactor kind of nutrients up? And is the imbalances in my gut that is impairing the kind of absorption of my food? So we're not what we eat, what we eat, we are what we absorb. Okay, so we really needed to look at my genetics here just to see what was going on from a methylation point of view. And sorry if I jump around a little bit, I'm not going to delve into the deep, dark rabbit hole of genetics. But what I really do just want to say is like, I had a polymorphism, so the enzyme not working so well on the B12 part of my methylation cycle. And that's basically how we recycle B12. And that is really crucial for nervous system health. Also, I have, and this is great, um, a compt catechol methyl transferase polymorphism. Don't get stuck in the big words. I had to go and like, oh, I spent ages on Google when I was studying, trying to work out how to say these things. But anyway, that is how we, it's the gene, the enzyme that codes for detoxifying stress hormones. If you have a kind of deficit here, or it's working more slowly, or in some cases fast, you cannot deal with stress very well. <laughs> and you can kind of see these people walking around. They're the people that get stressed quite easily, but also they hold on to it. And you can kind of hold grudges, you know, you can bring things up kind of two days down the line, you hold on to it, because literally your adrenaline, your dopamine, they're cycling around the body. It's not being excreted, um, which I find just really interesting to be aware of. 
So then what was really important for me here is to supplement B vitamins, but because we don't want to do the same thing and expect a different result, we did it from a liposomal point of view. So where there is kind of deficiencies and there is potential malabsorption of the gut, we need to look at obviously addressing the gut, but we need to look at um, more liposomal and liquid and different delivery systems of these supplements. So I used a Quicksilver methylated B complex. And rather than taking tablets, it's liposome, I'll put it under the tongue. And I love it It works really well for me. So that was that also with the vitamin D, I use a biocare one and I do like 2000 IUs. I haven't been doing it for a while because my results were okay. But now is about the time for me to start doing that again. So that's a that's a lipo emulsified, sorry, because vitamin D is a fat soluble vitamin biocare one. Also with B12, we can, I looked at food sources. So it depends whether you eat these things. And obviously this is where supplementation can kind of bolster you, but shellfish, red meat, poultry, fish, eggs, and I don't eat milk or cheese, but you can get it from those sources as well. Brill. So just a little bit on methylation. It's a complicated kind of subject sometimes to explain, but essentially it plays a key part in your metabolism and it converts folate, which is vitamin B9 and vitamin B12 through these kind of complex network of pathways into glutathione. Glutathione is the body's major antioxidant. It comes along and mops up kind of all the, the rest and oxidative stress. And that keeps our cells out of that threat mode, that cell danger response, because oxidative stress and inflammation inflammation damages our cells. It inhibits how they function. It's a stressor. So it really helps kind of protect the brain and the immune system from inflammation and oxidative stress. Energy is obviously a really big thing for me. Ultimately, energy is a mission as well. It's one of my greatest missions because if you don't have your energy, especially as a mum, it's really hard to show up as the mum that you deserve and want to be. I do believe it is everything. And isn't it interesting that the little kind of organelles or the organisms within the cells, the mitochondria, are actually more microbe genetically and DNA-wise than they are human. So we rely on the kind of indestructible, and I can't say that word, connection and relationship between microbe and man, woman, in order to be healthy. I just love this. Zach Bush talks about this and I love him. So if we're thinking about the Krebs cycle, I don't know if you remember, did, did you do this? Biochemistry, what was it called? Bio, bio, biology. <laughs> Obviously, I didn't pay attention, but I did biochemistry as, as part of my nutritional training. The Krebs cycle is something that I focus on quite a bit because of what I said, we're, we're, energy is so, so important. So we need to think about it a bit like a car. What we're putting in has to be really quality fuel. Food is not just fuel, it's the quality of it. it, is information. So carbs, proteins, fats, and then how they're being converted into energy. So my conversion of carbs is not very good, and that is magnesium dependent, and I am magnesium deficient, which is interesting. We'll come to that. And also, interestingly, at the top of the Krebs cycle, there's this kind of process where we have to convert into pyruvic acid. What goes on there has an impact on the rest of the cycle. So it's like the downward stream. If there's a block there, the, the water's not going to flow. And that is heavily dependent on oxygenation. So this is where our breath work and breathing comes in. 
And at this point, my conversion of fats is good, which is relevant later on. So we need lots of cofactor nutrients in order to make the miles per gallon, the B vitamins, the magnesium, the glutathione. I have a polymorphism on my glutathione pathway, kind of genetically fucked, but look, I'm doing all right. <laughs> and glutathione depletes after 30. So we need more magnesium. We need more B3. We kind of lose fuel economy. So the output is, isn't as good as the input. And Joe kind of described me as having like a battery, like a Tesco's own brand rather than a Duracell bunny, but she, it wasn't Aldi value. So that's good. Um, so, you know, you can think about your batteries, how good are your batteries, how good is the fuel, the food that you're putting in? What is the quality? Are you converting it? This is why I find this test so good because you could be having a wonderful diet, but because your cells are stressed or there's unresolved trauma or there's an infection or has a high toxic load or your, your capacity to toxify and deal with inflammation might be inhibited, that actually you're not converting. The cells aren't able to convert into energy. So it's so, so interesting to have this information. And then it just says, going back to the cell danger response, that mitochondria regulate the cell danger response by monitoring and responding to our physical, chemical and microbial conditions with and around the cell. So in this way, the mitochondria connect cellular health to environmental health. It's how we connect to nature. And that's where the buggies come in. We're more microbe than man. We've got more bugs in our gut, but microbial DNA than we have human DNA. And the only reason we don't look like a giant bug is because the cell surface of humans is bigger, apparently. <laughs> and then just a little bit more on the nutrients deficiency in magnesium. So this all showed up on the test that can indicate and tie into poor energy production, but also muscle and nerve kind of conduction and cell signaling. So we're talking about my mission to kind of improve that cellular communication. And this is a priority to address. So food sources, I try and put dark leafy greens in, buckwheat, chocolates on there, <laughs> healthy, nice chocolate. And things like nuts and seeds and beans are really good here as well. So generally they are kind of in my diet, but I make a more conscious effort. I'll have a green smoothie in the morning, which I put avocado, spinach, leafy greens, ginger, flaxseed, sometimes water with a bit of orange juice. And then you can also make it more, you can put plant milk in there as, as well. Zinc. So zinc was a little bit deficient as well for me. And this is huge. Like, so zinc really helps keep the neurons in our brain healthy and communicating with each other more effectively. So we're thinking about cellular communication and zinc also helps make acetylcholine, which is a key brain neurotransmitter that helps us learn. And I was really struggling to retain kind of information. And obviously my focus was bad. And also you need zinc to have good memory and be able to self-regulate emotions and behavior. That was an issue as well, that kind of up and down mood roller coaster. Zinc also helps to build a robust and well-balanced immune system. So we know that a kind of misdirected immune system, if you like, can lead to immunopsychiatric or neurological presentations. And this is exactly what I was feeling in some people. So almost like the, the virus on top of my genetics and stress and unresolved trauma had caused this kind of upregulation of inflammation and this kind of cytokine storm, which had caused neuroinflammation because there was some permeability of the gut. The gut 
barrier is the same cellular structure as the blood brain barrier and almost like leaky brain type thing. And overwhelm was like my emotional home. You've got to understand that overwhelm from a physiological perspective is inflammation. It's neuroinflammation. There's too much coming into the brain. So this immuno kind of psychiatric neurological presentation is definitely something that I felt. And zinc is a key player. It's not the only thing, but we're looking at this in the kind of bigger picture here. And also with inflammation, we want to go to the fire. We want to what's causing the kind of fire here. We don't just want to mop it up. Now, just a couple more. Oh my God, this is going to be longer than I'm so sorry, but I'm hoping you're loving it. I'm actually quite enjoying it. Essential fatty acids. So one of the biggest things on the test that made me go, what the fuck was that all my fats, obviously I've got fat, but my omega-3, my omega-6, my omega-9 were deficient. And this can really reflect intake, but I did, I was eating oily fish. I was eating nuts and seeds. I was eating essential fatty acids. I was taking a fish oil for a short while, but that was a short-term thing. So the metabolism of fatty acids are relevant to many kind of processes, including inflammation or inflammatory kind of balance, because we want inflammation. We want it to be able to deal with viruses and toxins and repair, but we don't want it to be chronic. Like we're leaving that kind of fiery tap turned on cell membrane fluidity, cell signaling. So your cells are made out of omega free fats. Our brain is made out of fat. Our nervous system relies on fat. So this was absolutely huge. And this is the thing that made me look at that and go, no wonder I can't think straight. No wonder I can't focus. Oh my God. And Joe actually asked me if I had had my gallbladder removed (laughs) without me realizing, because I would have told him no. So that's how bad the fat picture was. Um, So not equipped with anti-inflammatory nutrients because these omega fats are anti-inflammatory. So it can drive inflammation and oxidation. That's exactly because what was at the top to address was inflammation and oxidative stress. Also here, just to put in GLA, which is an omega-6, is important for regulating hormones, which makes sense with my high progesterone, high testosterone type picture. So we needed to get that up. So I actually supplemented borage oil by allergy research. So omega-3 is really about the cell membranes and anti-inflammatory. And I think, yeah, so a higher need. So here I needed to focus on like oily fish, salmon, mackerel, sardines, seafood, walnuts, chia seeds, flax seeds, and hemp seeds, which I try to do. I actually quite like mackerel um, and I'll have it with avocado on some like gut loving that gut living cob from Tesco. I like that. I don't have too much bread, but I, but I like that. And I'll put like the golden linseeds, which is flax seeds, but they haven't been grounded. I'll put them in. I won't buy them grounded because that can damage the fat. So if you buy the full golden linseed, that can be more intact fats and put those into the smoothies and things like that. And then here I really need to focus on bile flow because bile is responsible for healthy digestion. It's also the role, um, it acts as a role and a portal to exit toxins, but it's how we digest fats, hence the asking of the removal of the gallbladder. It's also how we um, eliminate hormones and it's the only way estrogen can leave the body as well. So here I went down the route of bile acids, which are like digestive enzymes. And I included foods that support bile, which are like beetroot, apple, um, stewed apples, which also do brilliantly for gut 
microbiome diversity bitter greens like watercress rocket in the summer I was eating so much of that it was so easy like when, when it's warmer isn't it dandelion tea so I bought in these kind of different herbal teas and also I was careful not to have too much caffeine yeah careful not to have too much caffeine and just adding celery into my smoothies as well which is fine it's not too offensive I did do celery juice for a while but then my juicer broke so and then just with inflammation I might have already said this oh my brain started buzzing I've been talking for a long time inflammation oxidative stress we have all heard of like that cytokine storm where have you been if you haven't heard of the cytokine storm do you know what I mean an oxidative stress since COVID-19 pandemic but um, there's quite a bit of evidence that neurodiverse people are more vulnerable to both of these and find it harder to restore equilibrium and it just makes me think about this kind of cell danger in the health of your cells as well. And then gut and digestion, this was not a gut test, but it did have a few gut markers just around absorption. I've done comprehensive stool analysis in the past and gut testing and got really clear on different bacterial, viral, parasitic, fungal kind of bounds, imbalances but also your good bugs. So that's probably a podcast for another time to really focus on the gut because it's so integral. But because I'd done so much work there in the past, there was a, a, a marker on this test that showed there's some bacterial overgrowth and maybe the waste from bacteria. So we have like endotoxins when bacteria die. I know it sounds horrible, but they need to be excreted. And sometimes if we're not so good at detoxifying or when constipated, not going to the loo, they can recirculate and they can cross, they can impact like the blood brain barrier and our nervous system and that kind of thing. So it's really important to have a good healthy microbiome because it's the first kind of organ of detoxification, but also support our liver and get those kind of greens in there and, and detoxing supporting nutrients. Also microbes are the building blocks for our key brain neurotransmitters which we need for mood learning memory and self-regulation and recently i have been doing more work on that also gut bugs certain gut bugs lactobacillus and certain other strains can help create brain-derived neurotrophic factor especially through like butyric acid and the production of butyric acid, which bugs do. And that helps with kind of neuroplasticity. And we're thinking about rewiring and reprogramming nervous system and brain. We want to have BDNF in there so that we can have this healthy neuroplasticity and you know, that, that wires together, fires together. What we're doing is relearning and rewiring our, our nervous system and our behavior into a new way of being. So with the gut mucosa, I really focused on liquid tea, marshmallow tea and slippery elm, which was really nice to do something a bit different there and take lactobacillus. But I'm going to be changing my probiotics soon. OK, then interestingly, I'd really high arsenic. We're going to get to the hormones and then I'm going to wrap it up because I know this is going to be a slightly longer episode, but I think I just need to go with it. So arsenic is a neurotoxin. So I added these on. I added the omega fats on. Uh, it, what I just want to say on the omega fats, the reason I take fish oil, I'm not vegan, I'm not vegetarian, but fish oil goes in at the bottom of the cascade of fats. So what I mean by that, I couldn't convert the fats. So I didn't have the enzymes that can convert the fats into the form that they needed to be in to be processed by the body. So if you are 
vegan or you don't have fish, you might have linoleic acid or more like chia seed or plant-based sources. That's great, but it will go into the top and the body still needs to convert it. If you have fish oil, it kind of goes in at the bottom and it does the work for you. So just to put that in there. So arsenic is like a neurotoxin and it's found in rice and actually interestingly higher in brown rice than white. Even though when we think about health and sustaining and balancing blood sugar, brown rice. So the idea is to, excuse me, um, soak it because it can cross the blood brain barrier. And it is also a carcinogen. It's a grade A carcinogen. So we don't, I don't want arsenic in my brain. I don't need that. I don't need that at this stage in my life. And, you know, it's easy to kind of freak out about this stuff. But when you realize how many toxins are in the environment and you can only do the best you can, and you're aware of maybe main sources, you can really kind of just focus on that. So for me, I still have rice. I soak it. I did test my rice with an arsenic strip not long ago that I got. And it was okay, my rice water. I checked the water as well because filter your water. Like there's so many different toxins that get into the water. And that is a really big one. If you live near a spring or depending on where you live, that might not be such a priority, but that was another thing that I did. Okay, decreased iron, just quickly to mention iron. Iron's a funny one because in the past, my iron's looked okay. My ferritin's been a bit low, but iron, when it's decreased and on this it was, it can really impact the central nervous system. So, and I think there's research around iron and ADHD as well. So, and, and obviously reduced attention, memory and focus. So of course it makes sense, sleepiness and irritability. So checking iron, but not just for me, it's looking at the whole iron panel because iron needs to be bound. It needs to be transported. So, and it needs to be stored. So I like to look, MediChex and Thriver, I think do an iron panel where you can get a little bit more of a deeper insight. But on this, you know, maybe that's for me to dig deeper later on because there's only so much you can do in, in one go and then just a little bit on genetics we're not going to go into it but I have methylation defects on my genetics and the enzymes that deal with those pathways I have reduced capacity to detoxify I have less kind of good blood glucose regulation and I know I need to take kind of vitamin D supplements. Um, I'm not good at converting the sun on my skin. I'm prone to inflammation because I'm not, it's like a tender, a tender thing, like not a catch, am I? If they were looking at your functional medicine kind of test results, I'm more prone to inflammation because I'm not good at converting the sun on my skin. I have repeated that. Sorry. So basically with the genes, uh, because I know <laughs> certain pathways that don't work very well I know the foods that support those enzymes so I'm looking at things like not having excessive caffeine asparagus avocado spinach are good for me avoiding blackened or barbecued type food sulfur foods like onions garlic and eggs are good for me and avoid things like msg from kind of chinese takeaways flavored crisps and glutamine that type of thing what i've just suddenly remembered here i lost my smell and taste with covid smell and taste is nothing to do with your nose or your tongue it's to do with your brain and this is where the fear around Alzheimer's and dementia, see, I'm just remembering, comes in because that's to do with like neurodegeneration. And that's something that's not fully back, like everything kind of tastes a bit sulfury, but it's much better. And that's why I know there's still a bit of work to be done there on those inflammatory pathways. So I just wanted to drop that in there. 
let's just go quickly into the progesterone and testosterone and then we will wrap this up it is a long one but hey ho okay so the dutch complete is the hormone test that i used and you can get it from like regenerous labs but obviously when i'm talking about these tests it's best to work with a practitioner that can do this for you recommend the right test for you and then interpret them so it analyzes 35 different hormones to clearly kind of identify the symptoms of hormonal imbalance it also helps you understand patterns of kind of free cortisol which is your stress hormones along with melatonin sleep hormones and six different organic acids so like the metabolomics it looks at some organic acids but not as many and you'll gain insight into stress and sex hormone pathway and the interplay between them too that's why i really love this we're not just looking at sex hormones but we're looking at how they interact with stress hormones the impact so my picture was very PCOS, polycystic ovary syndrome, which has never been on my radar, I'll be honest with you. With the insulin insensitivity and resistance, my blood sugar is, is not great in the management of. If not cysts, which I've never been aware of, and I wouldn't really know without having a scan, it might, you can have the syndrome without the cysts of what I'm trying to say. So an insulin sensitivity plays a role in PMDD. So this is not a test that would like diagnose PCOS, you would need to go for a scan and further kind of blood results around that. And I did have some blood results. And again, there wasn't really anything else, but I think it's just something that I'm, I'm bearing in mind here. So estrogen was a little bit out, but the main ones was this really high testosterone which can make it really hard to regulate mood and it can cause kind of aggressive behavior and quick to anger. And if you think about rage, like absolutely this kind of made sense to me. And high E2 estrogen, I think was converting testosterone to estrogen via aromatization. So basically this was kind of causing this belly fat. And I talked about weight as being like a goal. So that's probably why. High progesterone. This is quite unusual. And Joe said it was like the most unusual picture she'd ever seen, which I really like because I like to be different. But typically, when somebody has been stressed, or say you're a mum transitioning into motherhood, the stresses of life, living through COVID, you typically expect that the precursor pregnenolone would kind of shuttle down the pathway to make cortisol, which is a stress hormone, what typically happens. And then progesterone kind of gets shut down, and then you have low progesterone, and that is a more common picture and definitely why some women struggle to get pregnant or stay pregnant but mine was abnormally high so it was a bit of an anomaly it's a bit odd so here what I just want to say about these is sex hormones Mm -hmm. uh, there's an interconnected relationship between sex hormones and neurotransmitters so when you're thinking about the nervous system and and sex hormones if you think about hormones they're messengers right so they're, they're almost like wisdom from the body your hormones reflect your life and your external environment is reflected back in your hormones so if you are out of balance and things feel chaotic and there's a lot going on for me you need to look at your environment external and internal and I think the thing for me that ties everything together is nervous system and this cell danger response so what was happening is when estrogen was flat sorry progesterone was fluctuating and it was obviously quite high and testosterone was high too those levels were causing me a problem people say that pmdd is not about the levels it's not an imbalance but i did have an imbalance and i had the issue around the cell sensitivity 
So it's the fluctuations in like female hormones are highly expressed in the brain. And it's really important for emotional processing. And it may kind of predispose women to mood disorders as they interact with neurotransmitters like serotonin, dopamine, GABA and glutamine, glutamate, sorry. So progesterone is usually soothing to the mood, but sometimes it can cause anxiety and negative mood reactions to changing kind of levels of hormones is called neurosteroid change sensitivity or also known as premenstrual dysphoric disorder pmdd and this affects about one in 20 women and i've spoken about this with natalie in episode eight as well if you want to go and hear a bit more about that but what i want to just say here on the progesterone so progesterone is good for mood because it converts into neurosteroid called allopregnanolone and what happens then is this kind of calms this has a calming effect on GABA receptors which is a calming neurotransmitter so we have the excitatory ones and the calming ones for women with PMDD allopregnolone does not calm GABA receptors but it actually can produce anxiety and other kind of negative mood effects so women with PMDD seem to have an abnormal response to allopregnolone because of the problem with GABA receptors so I just know from this picture that my progesterone is high, it's out of balance, but also look at my fats. We can guess that my cellular communication, and if you look at the pit, the scientific picture in the bigger picture of your health in your personal situation, you know that that is to be true. So this makes kind of sense to me. And also knowing some of my genetic, I haven't looked at my sex hormone kind of genes yet. I can imagine I have some issues around this kind of GABA pathway. Oh, I do, I do with GABA, I know that those neurotransmitter pathways because they're they're connected right so if we've got nervous system kind of snips or polymorphisms likely that's going to impact our sex hormones so what dr lara bryden says and she's done a lot of research around this is pregnadiol is often a metabolite of more interest as it can cross the blood brain barrier and can upregulate GABA activity and considered a neuroprotective to the brain. So we think of pregnadiol pre, uh, progesterone, that it's almost like the anti-aging, the, the uh, kind of hormone, you know, it's really protective, it's neuroprotective of our nervous system. But in some women, the pregnadiol is also the cause of PMDD and irritability due to issues with the GABA receptors and the inability to adjust for sensitivity to fluctuating neurosteroids. So, so interesting. And the last bit on this is high progesterone is associated with decreased connectivity within the emotional regulation network. I think sometimes this reflects that cellular shutdown, you know, when you just disconnect from yourself and kind of shut down. Interesting. Okay. So there's other information here, like my melatonin was good, cortisol kind of okay. The rhythm was a little bit out. B6 was reduced, but we talked about methylation, low adrenaline and low noradrenaline. I think over time, because there had been so much stress that it become kind of unresponsive. And if we think about like the overactive mind in um, ADHD and the overthinking and the emotional stress and historic kind of trauma, transgenerational trauma, it can almost use up those reserves. And then, yes, the 8-OHDG, which is a sign of cell damage, was 
high. Oh no, it's a bit high. It wasn't high. So it shows I do have damage to my cells, which absolutely validates the cell danger response type theory. And one of the drivers being inflammation, oxidative stress, and what was high at the beginning, inflammation, oxidative stress. So what I want to just finish on here if I can kind of wrap this up is my primary aims through this process. And, you know, we weren't really focusing on ADHD or PMDD. We were focusing on those kind of key symptoms I wanted to improve on and that more global kind of picture of once I've addressed those systems, what am I symptoms, what am I able to do? But so the first one and how this is why it's really helpful to work with someone, because that's probably sounded like a lot. And that one and a half of it, do you know what I mean? I've done other tests and there was loads of other things. But just with these two main looking at the hormones and the organic acids, the first thing was, number one, neurotransmitters and hormones. So this was really kind of, yes, looking at kind of neurotransmitters currently based on this clinical picture and history, but also throwing ADHD into the mix and based on post-traumatic birth story and emotions attached to that and transgenerational trauma and kind of nervous system maladaptations from childhood and that kind of stuff. So that was the key neurotransmitters and hormones. Number one, the second one was hormones, predominantly sex hormones and the endocrine system. Isn't it interesting? The two main things of the cell danger response, the nervous system and the endocrine, that's exactly what I'm focusing on. Joe called it an amazingly unusual picture of hormonal imbalance. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. I will take that. I don't think I've ever seen anything quite looking like this, but I like different. So do I. This is why it's so good to look at you personally and test and not just rely on Dr. Google or what other people are doing. And I really do appreciate for some people that might be the only thing accessible to them but this is why I just wanted to share this I'm not saying do what I do but I think it's just giving you a different insight more of an insight and a different perspective and letting you know what tools are really available to you the next thing was to the hormonal kind of point of view estrogen testosterone progesterone really looking at bringing those back into balance and then the gut the gut is a priority because it's it's like the hub of our health and it has such a huge impact, especially the gut brain access. And I'll do a podcast on that another time. But like I said, I'd done quite a bit of work on that and it, it wasn't looking terrible from these results, but it was definitely being considered. And yes, gut brain connection, bile flow and kind of gallbladder support. So that's really looking at inflammation and detoxification. Right. So as we are at the end, What I really, I spoke about some of the supplements that I used. I also used a combination of herbs. Joe is a herbalist, so she was able to write me a herbal subscription to support the kind of nerve, nervous system and the hormones. I put the B vitamins in there. I put some berberine in there for the dysbiosis in the gut. I looked at kind of changing my coffee to a healthier um, coffee free of mycotoxins. I use the Exhale brand. Um, And when I have that, I only have two a day. I probably should reduce it. I use black rice or white rice and I soak it to kind of reduce that kind of arsenic load. I'm supporting bile and detoxification through food, which I mentioned. And then I do cold showers every day. And that really helps my nervous system and inflammation, but also my emotional resilience. I did some deep intensive trauma work, which I'll talk about another time. And that freed me from a lot of this stuff. And I've also done other like talk 
talking therapies and inner child work and timeline intervention, a lot of what I do, but working with another practitioner. There's been an awful lot of learning and penny drop moments through this that actually I've learned so much about myself that this was almost supposed to happen. And I think just as realization that I can't like let other people or things or my perception of my external environment stop me from living my dream that I need to express and be myself and step into that power and not fit into other boxes. And when we're looking at kind of cellular sensitivity and feeling safe, being myself and trusting myself and using my voice has been a huge part of that and release and acceptance and acknowledging the kind of grief, having compassion for other people and understanding people are different and people's, you know, not expecting too much from other people, but at the same time, putting boundaries in place to protect my energy, supporting myself through the supplements and the food and really strengthening my body. I do believe that to up level to the next level and your kind of full potential or the next layer of your potential, you you do need to build a strong, resilient, energized body. And I kind of feel like it broke down because it needed to be built back up. And I feel really strongly about that. And I think the connection between PCOS, PMDD and ADHD is the nervous system and past trauma. And especially, I'm not going to go into it now, but pyeloria, which is like a genetic and epigenetic condition, which causes like the depletion of certain nutrients, especially around essential fatty acids, B6, zinc, which I do have. And I'm not saying I've got that uh, magnesium, Uh, the story for another day, looking at kind of cryptopyrals and that kind of thing. But the majority of that happens from stress that starts in early life and this kind of internal state of being that comes from how we grew up and how we developed as children. And if you look at Gabor Mate's work around scattered minds and ADHD, he says the same thing, that our stress levels and response are defined and set in childhood. And that's kind of dictates how we respond to our external environment as an adult. It's kind of programmed early on. So emotional trauma in childhood sets you up for how you respond as an adult. And the more stress that you are the more um, likely you are to have this kind of pylori. And I I'm, know I'm, that I've just thrown that in at the end and you're probably like, what is this? But it's just looking at that kind of depletion and that cellular kind of response again, which is absolutely reversible and repairable, by the way. And I think there's this kind of silent epidemic of attachment and developmental trauma that we're probably carrying. And I don't think it started with us. I know that it didn't. And what's really, really helped me is this big kind of realization that sometimes I feel like the world wasn't really designed for me, that I'm different. And it's up to me to create the world that I really want to live in. And interestingly, I, me and Dan want the same and our family want the same. It's not complicated. You know, we can get stuck in the how, but what we want is back to nature. We want to have some land. We want to run wellness retreats. We want to renovate the galloping gut hut. We want to create our world and invite people into it. And that's what we're both focused on. And I believe that living more closely aligned to my values and nature into our bigger kind of vision and being able to contribute and give back and, you know, give people these kind of transformative experiences. I don't believe I will have half of these symptoms, which have got 70% better. I think because I'm living in a very technical, logical kind of environment where there's a lot of overstimulation and it's not bad where I live, but I just mean in our culture and our society and the systems that aren't really made 
made for our health and for our children's health and all of this. It doesn't align with who I am and what I need. And I've kind of said it in a bit of a jovial way before, but ADHD is tension dialed into a higher dimension. And I think we are very empathic and sensitivity is a superpower. And what we really need is that real kind of deep human connection, that emotional connection, play, fun, nature, time outdoors. And I really want to be in life. I don't want to be writing about it or on my computer. And, you know, I want to be in it and I want to be with people and having that vision and believing in it now and feeling more resilient and having better communication within my body and externally being able to express myself and feeling more energized has helped massively. So (laughs) I hope that that has been insightful I'm sorry it has been long but I can only rely on your feedback so please just tell me um, what you think and if you'd like any help or support or this has interested you do get in touch I would love to help and if I can't help you if, if my kind of programs and package does not align I will refer you to someone that can because it's all about helping really I don't want you to be suffering in silence and hiding behind that mask Okay, I hope you have a great week and a big apology to Kira who has to edit this extra long episode. I'm so sorry. Have a great week and I will see you all soon. Bye.